0: Well, it is hard to believe that we are already in April, which means that our celebration of what is really the most important day of the year for not just Cross Connection Church, but all churches is just a couple of weeks away. Two weeks from today, we will celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, which means next week is Palm Sunday and this really is an important time of the year for Christians. And because we are just about to celebrate Palm Sunday and then Resurrection Sunday, we are going to slightly pivot, if you will, and adjust our schedule of study in the scriptures here at Cross Connection Church. We have been doing a study together in the book of Deuteronomy for quite a long period of time. In fact, before everything started two years ago with covid we had started the book of deuteronomy then we deviated away from it we've come back to it we've gone away from it we've come back to it we've been back in deuteronomy for about the last eight weeks or so and we're going to take another detour out of the book of deuteronomy for a little while so our studies in deuteronomy they are not complete but over the next several weeks and actually through much of the summer, we are going to pivot a little bit. So I wanted to take just a moment and preview with you where we are going as a church in the scriptures. Next week, of course, is Palm Sunday, and we will be in the book of Deuteronomy because Deuteronomy chapter 16, right where we are at, is where Moses is reminding the children of Israel about the feasts that they were to observe annually as the children of the Lord. And being that the feasts of Israel, the first of the seven feasts of Israel is Passover, which follows right after Palm Sunday, going into resurrection, into Easter, which is what Jesus celebrated with his disciples on the night before his crucifixion. Passover is coming up, so it fits with the passage in Deuteronomy chapter 16. So next week, we're going to be talking a little bit about Passover. And as a church next week, we will be on Palm Sunday partaking of communion, And if you watch with us online, you can partake of communion with us on Palm Sunday as well. So if you don't have the elements for communion, the bread and the cup, you could even come down here to the church during regular business hours and the week leading up to Palm Sunday. And we will make some of those things available to you if you want to partake at home on Palm Sunday Or just, you know, pick up some bread at the store and some grape juice and you can partake with us as we remember the Lord's Supper together on Palm Sunday, which is what Jesus commissioned or commanded his disciples to do. He told them to do that. And we continue to do that as a church as well. So, Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about Palm Sunday. We're going to talk about Passover. We're going to partake of communion together. After that, of course, we're going to celebrate the resurrection on Resurrection Sunday. Most commonly, we call it Easter Sunday, but we like to call it Resurrection Sunday here at the church. Special message from the gospels talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then following that, we are going to take four weeks here at Cross Connection Church and do a special series outside of the book of Deuteronomy. And that series, I'm going to call it Unmasking Jesus. Uh, We are in a time period where we've come out of masking. Thank God there's no mask mandates continuing on. Uh, But Unmasking Jesus, we're going to consider some of Jesus's, uh, maybe we could say essential teachings from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. So we're going to be doing that in the month of April and coming into the month of May. And then that's gonna bring us into the summertime here at Cross Connection Church, which sometimes during the summer, we do some special messages through the summer. And this summer, we're gonna do that. We're gonna go through the Old Testament book of Nehemiah together here on Sunday mornings. We went through the Old Testament book of Esther last year uh, during the summer. So this year we're gonna be in Nehemiah. So like I said, we have a little bit of a detour coming. We're not leaving the book of Deuteronomy for good, just for the spring and the summer season to go through some other passages of scripture. Now, that means that today we are supposed to be in Deuteronomy chapter 15. That's where we left off last week. But there's something in the news this last week that caught my attention. And really, it seems to have caught or maybe we could even say completely absorbed the attention of a lot of people. And As this news story seemed to just take over the news cycle in our country this last week, I felt like there was something in the scriptures connected to this situation in the news. And not only is it just in the scriptures, but it's connected to the book of Deuteronomy and it's connected to the Sermon on the Mount where we're going to be in a few weeks after resurrection after Sunday. So that provides us with a bit of a teachable moment, this news story that's going on in our culture. So I thought because of that, I wanted to shift gears just a little bit. I don't know about you, but I think that we are living in crazy times, strange times that we have been going through. We are coming out of two years of the chaos and the weirdness with COVID. Our economy is in a rather strange place. You could even say it seems like it's in a bit of a precarious situation. The stock market appears to be doing pretty good at this moment. The housing market is insanely hot in our country. Seems like it's going off like crazy. If you're a buyer, you're in a pretty difficult pinch right now. If you're a seller, you're pretty excited because you're getting top market value for your home selling very quickly. At the moment, interest rates are still relatively low to where they have historically been over the last you know 30 years or so. The construction industry, we have a number of people who are a part of our church who are involved in the construction industry, contractors and all kinds of different companies. The construction industry seems to be cranking, and many people are having a hard time finding workers to fulfill the work that they have before them. And yet at the same time, we have supply chain issues, supply chain insanity, we might say. We have computer chip shortages, which has made it difficult to get all kinds of different things, including cars. You know, I was driving the other day, uh, had to go over to the hospital here in town and I drove through the Escondido Auto Park and it was like, there were hardly any cars on the lots there for all the different companies, which is amazing to see. And that has to do, I guess, with the chip shortages. We have sky high inflation, $6 a gallon or more gasoline, which is incredibly difficult for a lot of people. And that's going to have some major downstream effects for our culture and for everything that you buy in the coming weeks and months. And really, the crazy thing is to consider that most of the time in the summer, that's when gas goes higher. So who knows what it will be like when we get into July and August. Then you add to the economic kind of dislocation of our culture. We all have been watching what has happened over the last month, a little more than a month. The Russian military under the command of Vladimir Putin, they invaded Ukraine on February 24th. The Chinese continue to flirt with Taiwan and also advance their, their moves of their Navy in the South, South China Sea. Issues in the Middle East are pretty tense. Things are crazy. They are absolutely crazy. So crazy that I find myself every morning waking up and looking at the latest news wondering what is the next crazy thing that will happen. Uh, maybe you're like that as well. It's like I wake up in the morning just starting to get my day going. I'll look at my cell phone and a lot of times I'll just open up Twitter, which is what I'll look at for news. A lot of times just scroll through really quick and just see like what's going on in the world. And it's almost like I'm always waiting for the next shoe to drop, just waiting for the next crazy story to happen. So imagine my surprise when I woke up Monday morning and I found that the biggest story in the news coming into a new week, it had nothing to do with President Biden's trip to Europe. It had nothing to do with Ukraine. It didn't have anything to do with China or COVID or even the economy. No, the news story that dominated the headlines this week had to do with comedian Chris Rock and the Academy Award winner Will Smith. We live in insanely crazy times. Virtually all week, the conversation that was in the news and in pop culture on Social media, it has all swirled around Will Smith's response to Chris Rock's dumb joke made at the expense of Smith's wife at the Academy Awards. Now, by now, you have probably seen the clip and perhaps you've seen the meme, memes about the clip. Everybody is making memes about this whole thing. Now for me, I can't even say that the last thing on my mind over the weekend was the Academy Awards because the Academy Awards didn't even cross my mind. So it's not even something that is on my radar at all. At this point in 2022, I'm somewhat surprised that the Academy Awards is even still a thing on primetime TV every single year. It's kind of weird to me that that's such a big deal. Apparently it's a big deal. Some 15 million people or something tuned in to watch it. It's funny to me that the Academy Awards get the gets the views that it does. but. I guess that it's still pretty popular among a certain demographic. Whatever the case, Chris Rock, comedian, made uh, what we might call an ill-timed joke, which initially, if you've seen the clip, I saw the clip. I saw it on Monday morning when I was looking through Twitter and looking on social media. It was like, oh man, I don't even know what happened. But then it's like the clip was showing up all over the place. So he makes this joke. Will Smith is laughing at the joke until he sees his wife's reaction and then Smith, he got up and he walked on stage and he smacked Chris Rock across the face. And then he proceeded to cuss Chris Rock out from his seat, which was broadcast around the world on national TV and around the world. Pretty crazy stuff. So the conversation throughout the week had to do with whether or not Smith was justified in what he did. And if Chris Rock deserved the smackdown, if Smith should be prosecuted for what he did or if he should be punished by the academy. Like I said, we are living in pretty crazy kind of weird times. I mean, with all of the things that are in the news right now, stuff in Ukraine and China and the economy and even in the Middle East, with all the crazy things that are going on, this is what dominated the headlines and the conversation in our country pretty much all week long. Virtually everyone, by this time has something to say about this. Anchors and pundits on the news have weighed in. I think the White House even weighed in in some way on this. Actors, comedians, podcasters, everyone on social media, social media influencers, they've all weighed in. I'm sure you don't need my opinion for the whole thing. You know, are you really looking for what does Pastor Miles have to say about it? I'll just say, I think it's all kinds of kind of crazy. It's kind of strange thing to see we live in like clown world at this point in time but wouldn't you know it that the bible has something to say about things like what we saw in this event and there were some things that immediately came to my mind when i saw the video clip and i saw all the conversation going on on the internet about this immediately i had some some things that were coming to my mind from the scriptures the bible has something to say about this the torah the law which we've been studying through as we're going through the book of deuteronomy the law law has something to say about this. Ancient rabbis have an opinion about this. And Jesus has something to say about this as well. In fact, there's teaching on things like this spanning a very long period within Christianity around the concept of what is called lex talionis. Now, lex talionis is Latin for the law of retaliation, the law of retribution. And the idea of the law of retaliation, lex talionis, is something that has been written about by theologians, Christian theologians for a very long time. And it not only goes through 2000 years of Christian history, but going back into Jewish history before that as well. Even going back into Babylonian history, there's a long history of talking about the issues of retaliation. When is it okay to retaliate? The idea of the law of retribution or retaliation You can find it in the book of Exodus, you can find it in the book of Leviticus, you can find it in the book of Deuteronomy, you can even find it in the book of Genesis as we will see. Now, you may say, wait, pastor, are you saying that if a man makes a bad joke about your wife, the Bible says that you can smack him? Is that what the Bible says? That's not exactly what I am saying, but it does say this, if you look with me in Exodus, chapter 21, all the way back in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 21, beginning at verse 12, we read these words. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee. But if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. And he who curses his father or his mother, shall surely be put to death. If a man contend with each other, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and he does not die, but is confined to his bed. If he rises again and walks outside, walks about outside with his staff, then he who struck him shall be acquitted. He shall only pay for the loss of his time and shall provide for him to be thoroughly healed. And if a man beats his male or female servant with a rod so that he dies under his hand, he shall surely be punished. Notwithstanding, if he remains alive a day or two, he shall not be punished for he is his property. If a man fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now, I know you didn't see anything in Exodus 21 about retaliation around bad jokes at the Oscars, but we did read there in those words in that passage, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. This is where the idea of lex talionis comes from, the idea of the law of retaliation. And we will see that this principle, it comes up again. We've been going through the book of Deuteronomy. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 15 right now, but we would eventually get to Deuteronomy chapter 19, where we read these words in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 21. Life shall be for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So there are those words, again, exactly what we see in Exodus chapter 21. It is reminded, the children of Israel are reminded by Moses there in Deuteronomy chapter 19. And it is likely that you saw something this last week about Will Smith's smackdown, or perhaps you talked about it yourself with some other people. And probably the discussion was about whether or not Will Smith was justified in doing what he did. Though people wouldn't necessarily mention an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, as we read here in this passage, or they probably have never even heard of the term lex talionis, what they were talking about is the right of retaliation or the law of retribution. When is retribution justified? That really is an important question. Seeing what is happening in Ukraine, we wonder about these things. When terrorist attacks happen in Israel, as they did this last week, the question of retaliation is brought up. After the terrorist attacks of 9-11, you know, over 20 years ago, this was an issue that people talked about. When is it justified to retaliate? What is the idea of a just war? When we are offended or we are taken advantage of, we wonder about the response. How should we respond? what is the right response? What is the proper way to deal with it when I am offended or taken advantage of? When I am, someone comes and strikes me on the cheek, if you will, when am I allowed to retaliate? And in what way can I bring about retribution in that situation? Issues of retaliation and retribution are as old as human civilization and as old as human writing. We see these things going back for millennia. In fact, all the way back, In the very early pages of Scripture, the very first book of the Bible is the book of Genesis. All the way back in the book of Genesis, we are presented with the question of retribution and retaliation in the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4. After Cain killed his brother Abel, you can go read the story in the opening chapters of the Bible, in the opening verses of Genesis chapter 4. After Cain kills his brother Abel and God sends Cain away, And he sends him out to be a fugitive, wandering around on the earth. Cain, there in that passage, he says these words. It's found in Genesis chapter 4, verse 14. Surely you have driven me out. This is Cain speaking to God. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face, God. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Cain was concerned about retaliation, about retribution. God graciously makes provision for Cain's protection from the avenger. And he says this, Genesis chapter 4, verse 15, And the Lord said to him, said to Cain, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone find him and kill him. Now, just a few short verses after that, after the story of Cain and Abel, after Cain is driven from the presence of the Lord, and he goes out wandering in the earth, and he says, Listen, someone's going to retaliate and kill me. God says, No, I'll place protection upon you. Just a few short verses after that, again in Genesis chapter 4, we find the story of one of Cain's descendants, a man who is named Lamech. And we read these words about Lamech in Genesis 4. Again, the the discussion here is about retaliation, lex talionis. When is the law of retribution? When is it okay to bring about retaliation or retribution? All of this is happening in the very opening verses of the Bible. Genesis chapter 4 with Cain, And then with Cain's descendant, with Lamech, Genesis 4, verse 19, we read these words. Then Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the second was Zillah. Skip down to verse 23. Then Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold." Now, it is worth considering, as I alluded to just a moment ago, these stories are among the oldest in human literature. And in these very old documents, we are presented with the issue of retribution and retaliation. Going all the way back thousands and thousands of years, people have been thinking about retaliation and retribution. Now, notice Lamech in this passage. He says, I have killed a man for wounding me. Someone hit Lamech, maybe smacked him. And instead of Lamech just slapping him back, he struck back and he killed him. It seems like the punishment in that situation, it didn't fit the crime. This is the kind of justice that we are presented with in ancient times, what we would call unequal justice. You see this a lot in ancient writings where there is unequal justice. This is a fallen world that we live in after the fall that's described in Genesis chapter three, we live in a fallen world. And so in a fallen world, there is unequal justice. There's a lot of complaints in our culture about unequal justice. We want things to be just and fair and equal when there is a punishment. But under unequal justice, like with what we see there with Lamech in Genesis chapter four, if you push me, I don't push you back, I punch you. And if you make a joke about me, then I I smack you. And then into this world of unequal justice, God gives the first limiting principle. So this was the ancient kind of mindset. Lamech says, hey, you, you punch me or you hit me or you hurt me. I kill you. Unequal justice. God speaks into this and he speaks into this with a limiting principle about justice. There needs to be some sort of limiting principle. And so God gives us the first limiting principle in his word, in his law, after the flood story. In Genesis chapter 6 through 9, we have the story of Noah and the flood. And after the end of the flood in Genesis chapter 9, here God gives a limiting principle as it relates to justice for punishment. Genesis chapter 9 verse 5, it says, Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning, God is speaking, From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of a man. Whoever, verse 6, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man." Now, later, this principle is expanded under the law. In the book of Exodus, in the book of Deuteronomy, in the book of Leviticus, It is expanded under the law to the eye for an eye principle that we read of in Exodus 21 and in Deuteronomy chapter 19, as well as in Leviticus chapter 24, we read this in Leviticus 24, verse 17, whoever kills any man shall surely be put to death. Now, listen, this is an important truth. Retaliation and retribution are about as old as human civilization, according to the Bible. And in some instances retribution is righteous. Let me say that again. In some instances, retribution or retaliation is righteous or right. And in the case of some crimes, capital punishment is the right response. Now, I don't know what your opinion is about capital punishment or the death penalty. I know there are a lot of opinions about capital punishment and the death penalty. I, I remember uh, several years ago when I was taking a class on ethics, I had to write a whole paper on the death penalty on, on whether or not it's just or right or it, if it fits within an ethical situation. So I don't know what your opinion is on the death penalty, capital punishment, but I can tell you that the Bible seems pretty clear that there are certain cases, especially when it comes to murder, where the death penalty is allowed and also condoned and kind of put forward as the the right response to that situation. But what about other crimes? What if someone offends you or your wife by telling an ill-timed, mean-spirited joke? Are you allowed to just walk up on stage and smack the person right there in front of everybody? Moses says in Exodus chapter 21, verse 23, you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. How should we read and understand these words from the law, from Exodus 21 or Leviticus 24 or Deuteronomy chapter 19? How should we read this teaching in 2022? Because we're not living in the time of Moses or the children of Israel when they first came into the promised land. We're living in a hyper-modern Western culture in 2022. How should we read and understand this? Well, as I have said many times over the last several weeks as we've been going through Deuteronomy in the law, the Torah, when considering the teaching of the law of God, we need to look at the principle and the spirit of the law and not at the letter of the law. This isn't a command that if someone pokes your eye out, then you instantly poke their eye out or if someone knocks your tooth out that you instantly knock their tooth out. Rather, when we read these words, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, wound for wound, and so forth, we need to recognize that the rules on retaliation, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, the rules on retaliation are a limitation and not a prescription. You see, in our fallen state and As things appear to have been in the ancient world thousands of years ago, retributive justice, so retaliating towards someone who did something to you, retributive justice often led to punishments that exceeded the crime in severity. This is what we saw in the story of Lamech in Genesis chapter four. He says, I have killed a man because he wounded me, even a young man for hurting me. That doesn't seem to be righteous retribution. It's like, you know, this guy punched me and I killed him. So that's not a justified right response. I don't think that that is the just and right response in that situation. I've killed a man for wounding me. So when God says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, He is teaching His people that within His kingdom, under His rule, the punishment should fit the crime. Let me say that again. God is teaching that a punishment should fit the crime. This is a limitation, not a prescription. An eye for an eye is a limitation in your retaliation. You can't exceed the crime with your punishment is basically what God is saying. And this is really important. We sometimes feel justified in our retribution and perhaps we are, but we need to be very careful in our retribution. And, and one of the reasons I think we need to be really careful when we are thinking to retaliate towards someone, we need to be very careful because the New Testament book of James and James chapter one It says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. My anger, my wrath doesn't bring about God's righteousness. So I've got to be really careful. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter four, he says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, there is a way where you can be angry and not sin. But it's a very fine line. And we have to be careful that we don't move into a place where we are walking in wrath. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So the punishment, when we are sinned against, the punishment should fit the crime. The problem is that by the time of Christ in the first century, which was you know, many centuries after Moses, some 1400 years after Moses, by the time of Jesus in the first century, this teaching from Moses, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a wound for a wound and so forth, this teaching that had been a limiting principle on retribution, it moved from being a limiting principle on retribution to an obligation you were expected to follow. The religious leaders of Jesus's day they seem to have taken this as a justification for hurting others at least as badly as they had been hurt. So when I say the religious leaders of Jesus's day, I'm talking about the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes and so forth. These guys who were the experts in the law, who studied the Torah, they had moved this from being uh, something that was not exactly a good thing. That's eye for an eye teaching. Uh, One commentator says that they had converted the principle of justice into a rule for everyday life. And then another commentator on this passage, he, he explained this, that in Jesus's day, the religious leaders had taken this to mean that every man should likewise retaliate in kind and should in every case insist on his full rights. Now, it's interesting, those words in kind, because Those kind of words can get you into trouble, as President Biden learned when he was speaking in Poland uh, just about a week or so ago. The application of this limiting principle in the law by the time of Christ had been stretched well beyond the heart and the spirit of the law. The same law, which also taught these words in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So we have to put these two principles together. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, wound for wound, and so forth. Has to fit with, you shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, we have this command spoken by Moses to the children of Israel written in the law in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy just as they're getting ready to come into the promised land. You fast forward nearly a millennia and a half, 1400 years from the time of Moses to the time of Christ and the people had taken this to be like, you have to push for your rights. Anytime anybody says or does anything that offends you, you got to stand up for yourself. It was kind of a the mindset. Therefore, we read something from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount on this very same idea in Matthew chapter five, we read this in verse 38. Jesus says to the disciples that were listening to him, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, straight out of the law. You've heard in Deuteronomy, you've heard in Exodus, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Could we find a more applicable passage from Jesus at this week after all of the news cycle that's happened after the Academy Awards last Sunday night. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. Fascinating things. In some instances, retaliation might be right. You may be able to justify your actions by the teaching of the scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 19, Exodus 21, Leviticus 24 says an eye for an eye. There needs to be retaliation, retribution. There can be retaliation, retribution. So you might be able to justify from the scriptures your actions in taking into your hand justice to retaliate. You've heard that it has been said you have to insist upon your full rights. You've heard that it has been said you have to stand up for yourself. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, and a hand for a hand, or a foot for a foot, a burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. But Jesus says, do not retaliate. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him, the other also. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are about Chris Rock and Will Smith, but I do have to say, and I'm not like a huge fan, I'm not a huge follower. But Chris Rock, he may have exercised more restraint in that situation last Sunday night than maybe I would have, or maybe you would have. You may have the right to retaliate, but your retaliation may not be righteous. Let me say that again. You may have the right to retaliate. Bible says eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but your retaliation may not be righteous. My aim ought not to be my own rights, but to be righteous. That's what I I want to be. In fact, in the passage there in Matthew chapter five, just before Jesus says, you've heard that it has been said of those of old time, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist evil. There in that very same passage, he says, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees were saying, you gotta stand up for your own rights and you got to retaliate if someone does something to you. Jesus says your righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. So my aim is not my full rights, my own rights, but it is to be righteous and to follow the way of Christ. And what is the way of Christ? Well, the Apostle Peter, he talks about the way of Christ in his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 2. He says this Jesus, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he committed himself to him who judges righteously. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament also taught in Romans chapter 12. He says this, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. These are incredibly hard lessons to learn and much harder to apply. I want my rights. I want my way. I want to avenge myself and I feel like I have the right to do so. And I feel like maybe I even have the justification in the Bible because the Bible says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In one of his letters, the apostle Paul writes, why do you not rather accept the wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? Those are such hard words. Those are so hard to accept. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Can you leave your desire for retribution and retaliation with Him and say, God, you will be my defense? You will be the one who stands in the place for me. Now, let me tell you, this is incredibly hard, and I've had to experience this over the years. There have been times where people have wronged me, there have been times where people have spoken behind my back, there have been times where people have done things against me in ministry that are rather public, and I have felt in me the desire to try to retaliate. And I felt justified in my retaliation. And so many times in those instances, I have sensed this still small voice of the Lord saying, vengeance is mine, Miles. I will repay. And I have to leave it in the hands of the Lord. And it's so hard to do it. It is hard to leave that with God. And to take the wrong, as Paul says there in Corinthians. So with that, I want to bring you back to the passage that we actually... Are supposed to be in today in Deuteronomy chapter 15. And I want to look at what Moses says here and see if we can't apply what Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 15 to this idea of what we're seeing in the book of Deuteronomy, but also in the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. Deuteronomy 15 verse 15 says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord, your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today what does this have to do with retaliation and retribution? Maybe not so much in the context of what Moses is saying in Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 15, but it might be more than you think. So let me bring it home in this way by saying, you should remember how the Lord has dealt with you and what he did for you. Just as we see there, you shall remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt and remember how you were treated and remember what you went through. In the same way, I need to remember, you need to remember what I have been like in the past and how the Lord has dealt with me, what he did for me. Well, what did he do for me? Well, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was guilty of iniquity, transgression, and sin. I was deserving of all of God's wrath and all of God's retribution. And God had every reason to throw the book at me, if you will and would have been completely righteous in pouring out his wrath. But Ephesians 2 verse 4, Paul says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I am guilty of all kinds of sin. You are guilty of all kinds of sin. We are justly in the place of wrath. And yet God has given us mercy and grace. I think the greatest picture of this found in the gospels is found in the gospel of John chapter eight, where we read about a woman that was brought to Jesus who had been caught in adultery. And of course, the law says that if you are guilty of adultery, you should be put to death. Now, we'll overlook the fact that the guy who was obviously involved in the adultery was not brought to Jesus, but just the woman. She is brought to Jesus. She's been caught in adultery. And we read this in John chapter eight, verse three, then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in his midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act Now, Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? In this instance, the law was pretty clear. You've heard that it has been said of old time. In the law, the punishment for adultery is to be put to death. That's, That's the punishment for adultery. So Jesus, what do you say? What's your word? Now, they're trying to catch Jesus here. But we read this in John 8, verse 6. This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger. He didn't even respond to their immediate question, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And Jesus had raised himself up. When he had raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, Jesus didn't actually break the law in this passage. He didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law, every point of the law, And he teaches us an important truth in this response to this woman, an important truth about the blessing of mercy. And this is a key and critical point. The way of Christ is the way of mercy. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might receive the righteousness of God imputed and imparted to us in Christ Jesus. That is the good news of the gospel. So back to the question that I asked earlier, was Will Smith justified in smacking Chris Rock? Was Chris Rock deserving of a smackdown for his offensive joke? Should Will Smith be prosecuted? Should he lose his Oscar? Those are some of the questions that our culture is confronted with and wrestling with this week. And there's a good chance that you might have an opinion in your mind, an answer to those questions. Is retribution okay? When is retaliation justified? What measure of retaliation is allowed? And in all of this, I I can't help but thinking of the words of God through the prophet Micah. In Micah chapter six, verse eight, where we read, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, do what's right, To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Three things that God has shown us that he requires of us. To do what's right, do justly. To love mercy and to walk in humility. Those are some really helpful lessons for us to work on this week. To do what's right, to love mercy and to be humble. Powerful, powerful words. The way of Christ is the way of mercy. God demonstrated his love towards me that in while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. God demonstrated his love by showing me mercy when I deserved retribution. Those are really powerful and important things to think about today. God demonstrated his love by showing me mercy when I deserved retribution. Maybe I don't have the perfect answer for the questions of how should Will Smith have responded in that situation? Was Chris Rock in the wrong? Did he deserve all this? I don't know anything about that. Well, I got my opinions, but I do know this. You and I are guilty of far worse than that before a holy God. And God demonstrated his love by showing me his mercy when I deserved retribution. And that's really good news. Good news that I hope that you know. I hope you have experienced the love and the mercy of God and received the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you have, then you make sure that you're a conduit of the same love and mercy to others. That's what God wants from us today. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, to walk in humility. Father God, I pray that you'd help us do that this week. Help us to be those who don't, don't love justice. Sometimes we see someone screw up, mess up, fall down, and we think like, oh, now they're gonna get it. And so we kind of root for justice. But Lord, you want us to be merciful. I thank you, Lord, that you have been merciful with me. And I pray that you'd help me to walk out what is right and to be merciful to others this week. For I ask this in your name. Amen.